0: Tune in for Weekend Talk That Matters, only on KFNX.
1: Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths. We can rebuild the American family. Welcome to The Homefront. You're talking with Jane today, and we have a fantastic show, a wonderful guest. Uh, so honored that Dr. Bush could be with us. I want to introduce her right off the bat and not lose any time today on our show because we have a lot that we can cover with her here uh, I would like to welcome Dr. Frida Bush. She's an OBGYN board certified, and she's been practicing for more than 25 years uh, as an OBGYN and currently serves as the CEO president of a very important medical institute that deals with all of the issues so important to us from the home front. Dr. Bush, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Jane.
1: Oh, I'm delighted. Uh Dr. Bush is uh, President of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health, and they have a very important role to play in the discussions about uh, sex in our culture, and especially how we're going to approach sex when we're working with young people and single people, even uh, young adults in college, and uh, beyond that time. Dr. Bush, can you tell us just a little bit about the Medical Institute, how it came to be, and uh, its primary mission and focus in the uh, medical
2: area? I'd love to. The Medical Institute for Sexual Health is based in Austin, Texas, and it was founded by Dr. Joe McElhaney in 1992, who was a reproductive endocrinologist. And what he found was that many young women who would be coming to his office to get help with pregnancy were having issues of infertility that he subsequently identified were a result of infection with sexually transmitted diseases that had blocked their tubes, and so they had what we call infertility or inability to get pregnant. And when he would scope the ladies, he would find they had, had scar tissue that could be traced back to sexually transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. Many of them had been sexually active prior to marriage, were totally unaware of any infection at all,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and totally unaware of pelvic inflammatory disease as an issue, and yet they still Suffer consequences, right? And he began to try to figure out how he could help prevent this. And one of the things he set out to do was get this information out to young women in particular, uh, and to health professionals, to doctors who work with young women, to say we need to be encouraging young women to wait to have sex until they are married in a committed relationship and avoid getting exposed to Mm -hmm. sexually transmitted infections in their youth.
1: Well, a lot has changed in the last 15, 20 years, but really in this particular area of sexual behavior, uh, the change has not been for the good in many ways. Uh, I remember back in the mid-80s, HIV became known as a serious life-threatening disease, and... Uh, at that time, the focus really turned toward the condom, and many programs pushed the condom because we were at a loss for what HIV was, how to prevent it, how it was transmitted, and we were just looking for anything that, at all that could prevent people from getting HIV and AIDS. And then in the early 90s, with condoms being the really the centerpiece of many sex education programs, I remember sitting in my kitchen and reading a report on the condom that said it did not prevent STDs. And I was just blown away because at that time, the mantra was use a condom and prevent uh, sexual problems. They were... Talking about pregnancy a lot, but also STDs because of the HIV uh, problem, and it, it was always use condoms. They will prevent STDs. They will prevent AIDS. And this particular article that I was reading just blew me away. My kids were in high school at the time, and I started investigating this issue. And the Medical Institute had a key role in this whole debate about condoms and what was their role in sexual behavior, I watched the CDC change their approach on their website. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes. I can tell you that the um, Dr. Joe McElhaney and Dr. Tom Fitch, who was on the board of the Medical Institute at the time, did significant uh, research on the literature that, had a different story than condoms will protect and condoms are safe sex. Right. And they appealed to the uh, head of the CDC at the time and the National Institute of Health to have a condom study done by experts, and they subsequently uh, agreed to that, and they called for all the published literature At that time, this was in 2000, Mm -hmm. and an expert panel, as a result of the urging of the Medical Institute, looked at all of the literature that was published at the time, and what they found was very little support to say that condoms protected, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: condoms only reduced, is what what they finally decided, and... Most of the literature was on male condoms, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which meant that um, at that time there really were no female condoms and Mm -hmm. the information that they had you could only apply to risk reduction for males.
1: We're going to be really talking a lot about risk reduction, so perhaps our listeners are not really cluing into how significant this is. Back then, you you referenced the term safe sex, and there was a lot of talk about protection, protect yourself, have protected sex. And uh, it's important, I think, for us to think as adults, what do we mean when we say protect? Can you give us just a, maybe a minute explanation of the difference between protected uh, activity And risk reduction, which is what you're talking about with the condom research back in the 90s.
2: Well, what I can tell you is when I see patients, even today in my office, Mm -hmm. and I'll ask them their sexual history, and I'll say, how many partners have you had in the last year? And they will give me a number Mm -hmm. and quickly add, but I always use a condom, as though always using a condom, and being, uh, was going to protect them essentially, right. keep them from getting an STD. Right. And my question then to them is, how much protection do you expect? And usually their eyes get very large because they're saying, well, I, I know it's not 100%, but, you know, I expect not to get an infection. So when you tell them that the literature states that to be have your risk reduced at all, you must use a condom consistently with each act of intercourse. It must be put on correctly, and it has to be done prior to initiating any sexual activity. And even then... The effectiveness of risk reduction depends on the infection that you're exposed to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, let me stick a pin in this. Most of the infections don't have symptoms. And mm-hmm. so a person may not be totally aware that they have any disease. So when you say protect, the condoms, remember, only cover what the condoms cover. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of skin that is outside of the protection, if you will, of the condom Mm -hmm. that may have disease. Right. HPV, all of your viruses, HPV, herpes, HIV are outside of the purview of the condom. Right. And then you have the. You know, I don't want to get too detailed, but then you've got those that are transmitted by fluid, which right. would be your gonorrhea and your chlamydia, and 50% of the people who have those diseases don't know it. So right. my point is that there's more to just saying you're going to put on a condom and protect yourself right. 100%. And
1: really what we've got is a culture that has drilled this into us to such an extent that people are thinking about protection and that everything's gonna be just fine. We're gonna be we're gonna be taking a a break right now and when we get back we'll pick up a little bit on this and then move into an area that Dr. Bush has researched with other doctors, the brain and its role in sexual activity. We'll be right back, KFNX Independent Talk eleven hundred.
0: Log on and listen live. 1100kfnx.com Hey!
1: Welcome back to the Home Front. We're talking with Dr. Frieda Bush of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. And we are standing our ground here today for truth about the information we're being given on sex education and sexual behaviors. We spent the first segment talking about condoms and the misrepresentation of condoms as uh, some avenue for having safe sex or protected sex. And I want to take off from that and to another very important area where we're being led uh down the rose uh covered path to sexual pleasure and sexual activity and this is the idea that sex is natural uh that we can engage in different kinds of sexual behaviors Uh, Many of them are termed abstinence behaviors, even though they can lead to sexual arousal and the same uh, sexual pleasure as actual intercourse. And Dr. Bush, you worked uh, with other doctors on a book that deals with this casual attitude towards sex. The book Hooked, New Science on How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. Can you address uh, what is sex? in terms of uh, the behaviors that are going to imprint in our brain and how that happens?
2: Well, I can tell you that sex is any activity that stimulates or arouses the person Mm -hmm. for sexual gratification, whether that's one individual by himself or herself or Mm -hmm. whether with someone else. If there is... Stimulation, arousal, and satisfaction, it is sex, and it's not limited to penile-vaginal penetration.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So oral sex, anal sex, mutual masturbation, it is all sex because it fits that criteria. And what do you think is called the largest sex organ in the body?
1: Well, I, I can imagine that people are creating a lot of mental pictures, but I think they're all going to be wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, studies show it is really the brain because that is where sexual arousal begins.
0: Mm-hmm. and
2: they say men are visual uh persons, so the guys can probably all agree with me. they see and they get stimulated mm-hmm. and that's even before any body part is touched. okay, and so,
1: I'm sorry, <laughs> go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, so that's really the bottom line is that people need to understand it begins there. And one of the reasons is because once you are stimulated, you've got the brain with different hormones that begin to flow. And number one would be your dopamine, which is where the excitement and the pleasure is um, carried out
0: Mm -hmm. with
2: dopamine. And mostly it affects the prefrontal cortex, the part right behind the forehead, where a lot of the receptors are there. And then you've got once the touching and the rubbing starts, the oxytocin is released in the female brain and the vasopressin in the male brain, which actually makes you want more of that touch. And, of course, more touch leads to um, arousal stimulation. Mm -hmm. And um, if you would, (laughs) that's where you get your uh, greatest pleasure with the orgasm. Right. Right. And that bonds you to the person who's doing the touching and arousing, whether you are aware of it or not, whether it's a one-night stand or whether it's a, a commitment for life, mm-hmm. you still get an imprint of that person in your brain. Now, here is where
1: the lies about casual sex, the hookup culture, really, I think, have uh, impacted people uh causing them to get involved in these casual sexual encounters, not realizing the, the, where it's going to lead them down the road. We have a culture where there is a, a a fear of commitment, uh, seeing a lot of pain in marriages and divorces. And I think a lot of young people, young adults think, well, I'll avoid that pain. I'll just engage in sex when I want to, when I meet somebody and it, and, uh, it comes, becomes available and I won't worry about it because I won't have to break up with this person. Can you talk about the fallacy of that, the attachment, the bonding, uh, that is controlled by these chemicals in our, in our, uh, brain and our
2: body? Well, first of all, we know that uh, sex involves the whole person. Mm
0: -hmm. It's not
2: just a physical act, Mm -hmm. but the whole person, inside and out, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, is involved in that sex act. So when you receive someone into your body or when you go into someone's body, it actually has a physical impact. But again, emotionally, it's going to impact you because it is stimulating your brain. Mm-hmm. And so you actually are um, become, if you would, one with that person. And you get blindsided thinking that it's just a thing, it's just a hookup. And by the way, hookup is a sexual relationship without a commitment. Mm-hmm. And many young women, believe it or not, in college are pursuing their careers and their education and say that it's too um, time-consuming to have a relationship, so they just want to have a hookup or mm-hmm. friend with benefit, right. not recognizing that when that ends, they are left with probably more studies show higher risk for depression, higher risk for um lowered self-esteem, and just a number of emotional baggages that they carry as a result because it does involve the whole person. They essentially get blindsided Mm -hmm. by that uh, fact. So we try to let them know and get them the information so this is not just uh, something that the Medical Institute is saying, but there's significant literature out there yes. that supports the fact that um, all of that person is involved and it affects, there's an increased risk for suicide, increased risk for um, loss of self-esteem and depression, three times more likely depression in uh, girls and boys than um those who are virginal who have not become sexually involved.
1: Now, one of the, the tactics that people take in opposing this kind of message to young people is that it's fear-based. And I think doctors have a special role in addressing the realities of real fears. Uh, you as a practitioner in, in the OBGYN area, how do you respond to people that say, well, we can't talk about the risks of the condoms. We can't talk about the emotional impact of a, a promiscuous sex life because uh, we're just playing on the fears that, that people have about this natural sexual activity.
2: Well, I can tell you, we do understand that sex is normal and natural, and we have to have sex for reproduction to occur. So we're not against sex. We're for sexual activity, but we're also for the young people getting the healthiest lifestyle and getting the most out of their, uh, the healthiest behaviors.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And when you go into the sexual act, thinking it's just for pleasure. Well, my question to you is, why do you remember that person or that act? And it, after they're gone,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's because it has become imprinted mm-hmm. into your brain. And um, the I mentioned the hormones right. uh, a minute ago. It's also your behavior then becomes reinforced by
1: those hormones. Right. Uh, now, we're uh, dishing out a lot of information that may be new to our listeners, so I want to give them your website uh, address right now and also mention the title of your book, and then when we come back into our last segment, we'll pick those up again so anybody listening can actually review some of this information. Your website is medinstitute.org, M-E-D, like medicine, short for medicine, medinstitute.org. And the title of your book, Hooked, uh, can you go ahead and give us that and the
2: authors of that book? Okay. Hooked is, um, new science on how casual sex is affecting our young people. And Dr. Joe McElhaney and I co-authored that book.
1: Wonderful. And that's available both at the Med Institute and definitely on Amazon. And I would encourage people to take this little bit of information we're giving you and follow it up. We are going to be back with our next segment with Dr. Bush. You're talking from the home front, Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. We'll be back. Stick with us over the break.
0: Truth lives here. Don't touch that dial. Independent Talk 1100 KFNX.
1: You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome back to us again after, uh, after the break. We're talking from the home front with Dr. Frida Bush. She is an OBGYN practicing in the field and also working as president for the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. Welcome back, Dr. Bush. Thank you. We have been talking about the physical uh, problems that come to uh, people who are sexually active even though they're relying on the condom. We're also talking about the emotional consequences, those attachments that we have through the sexual behavior that we engage in, even when we think we can just hook up and then uh, leave the person tomorrow without any effects. And Dr. Bush, I want to now get very personal with the people that are listening because you do see patients and you do get a chance to talk with them in your office and we have a school district here in the the valley that has been looking at their sex education program. It's a large high school district, and uh, the parents are actively trying to work with the school district and come up with some good ways to teach their young people about healthy attitudes about sex. If you're talking with a parent and their daughter or son in your office, being an ob practice, it's going to be largely uh, young ladies. What can you tell parents about um, how to uh, approach sexual uh, discussions with their young daughters and how can they achieve healthy attitudes about sex with their daughters and are their daughters going
2: to pay attention? Well, I can tell you even recent studies this year, 2014, have shown that parents are still considered the most influential in their children's lives. The um, They say that they want to talk to their parents about sex, and this is a full 87% that so they were most influenced and wanted to have conversations with their parents about sex and honest conversations. Mm-hmm. And what we try to encourage parents to do is to be honest and not to be role model for them. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the parents in my office will say, well, she knows that I got pregnant when I was 15, so how can I tell her to wait to have sex until she's in a committed relationship? My response is, because you have experienced the negatives of it, Mm -hmm. you don't want her to have that experience. And so you want to talk to your child and tell them the truth, model the behavior, but you also want to get them involved in other activities that are just as exciting that will get that dopamine stimulated and will help them then to paint that North Star that they are trying to achieve so that they are not just getting involved in the physical
1: acts. Okay. now, you uh, also did a book through the Medical Institute called Girls Uncovered and talking about getting girls to look toward other dreams than just having a boyfriend uh, that they're going to keep through sexual behaviors. What are some of the hopes and dreams your research reveals uh, for young girls, things that they're really longing to achieve and to have in their lives?
2: Well, one of the things that I mentioned earlier about the college young people, Mm -hmm. they want to finish high school and finish college. They want to pursue a career. And also on that list that they want to achieve is a long-term relationship. They want to get married and stay married. But they're pursuing sexual relations or sexual acts without Mm -hmm. relationship that is actually sabotaging it. Studies have shown that If they become sexually active, especially multiple partners, they create a pattern in their brain that makes them not want to attach or have that ability to attach Mm long-term. So you get in the habit of mating and breaking and bonding and breaking, and when you get married, you're more likely to divorce Mm
0: -hmm.
2: or you're more likely to have tumultuous relationships as a result. So the very thing they desire, casual sex, undermines. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why we encourage parents to use that influence, spend time with them, talk to them, show them other behaviors that can get them satisfaction and gratification without being sexually involved. Learning what a healthy relationship is, Mm -hmm. and again, discussing it, what it looks like, what that doesn't look like, and especially our young people, are, young ladies are getting involved in relationships that are abusive, mm-hmm. and many of them are uh, don't have fathers in their home, so that would be another thing is if there's not a father in the home, I would say get a male role model mm-hmm. who can help them meet that need mm-hmm. of having a significant male in their family.
1: The role of men, I think, is so important for young ladies and uh, young boys. But, you know, a lot of us assume that the girls are going to simply turn to their mothers for uh, these attitudes and uh, their approach to sex. Fathers are so important, though. And one thing that is so upsetting in our culture today is that we're really training young women to accept disrespect that uh, the language, the music, the television shows, uh, the disrespect of young women and the objectifying of them in their physical uh, body and the clothes they wear has really, I think, uh, really destroyed uh self-image and self-confidence and this idea that they're worth the respect of of a relationship that is not founded on sex.
2: And one of the reasons that we have a program at the Medical Institute called Building Family Connections Mm -hmm. is to actually help parents learn how to parent, if you would, and help them to understand what a healthy relationship. I've had uh, at least one father say I wish I had known this information mm-hmm. when my you know, child was younger. And so we're trying to get that information, and they can get more information about Building Family Connections from uh, the website that you referenced to them, medinstitute.org. But the whole idea is to get parents, educators, uh, pastors, youth leaders mm-hmm. to – understand what is a healthy relationship and how to use your influence as a parent or as a caring adult Mm -hmm. to get this over to them. Uh, As they say, to get a different result, you've got to do a different thing.
1: Right Now, parents uh, have a role in school districts, and I know it's very difficult sometimes to understand what that role is, but schools that do put forward uh, sex education programs, parents do have a right to expect that school program to reinforce uh, these healthy ideas about sexual behavior, delaying it, saving it for marriage, a permanent relationship where you're going to preserve your ability to have children and have a family and bond and have a permanent marriage. Uh, Can Uh, you encourage parents in that?
2: I can tell them that, um, the Brookings Institute put out a report several years ago during the War on Poverty, and one of the things they said was the best way to avoid poverty was to encourage the young people to finish high school, to wait until age 21 for their first child, and to get married and stay married. So mm-hmm. one of the things every parent wants is for their child to be successful. What child doesn't want to be successful. Right. But to avoid or delay sexual activity until you're older. By the way, the book Hook talks about the fact that the brain is not fully mature until the mid-twenties. Right. Not at age 18 when we say that they're grown, mm-hmm. but at least seven or eight years later. You'll make a different decision at age 20 about a girlfriend or a boyfriend than you will at 15. You know, right. At 15, he looks good, he smells good. And, you know, he right. said you were cute. Right. But at 20, 25, you want to know more right. about him. And you will have had an opportunity to uh, observe more. Right. And well, so you want them to have that healthy relationship. Right. And they can better do it when they're more mature.
1: Well, I thank you so much for being on the show today. And it's wonderful to know that you're going to be returning to us in future shows because the topic is so large we didn't really even get into the details of your book on brain science. But we'll be back and we'll do it. And I really want to encourage our listeners to check in on their website, medinstitute.org for their parenting materials and information on the physical consequences that we addressed on the show today. Thank you, Dr. Bush, and we look forward to having you back again with us. You keep up the good work. Thanks.
0: Independent Talk. Visit us online at 1100kfnx.com.
1: Traditional family values need your help. From the home front is on the battleground defending families, parents, and children in a great cultural war. We need you. Your financial support is necessary for us to continue these broadcasts. Your donation brings the experts to you, restoring truth, common sense, and dialogue in a world turned upside down. To support family values, visit us. From the home that's from the home help us today hey baby
0: there is-
1: Welcome back to our last segment from the home front. You're talking with Jane and I'm joined by another wonderful guest tonight who's going to give us some very important information, some follow-up information that will actually give us some action tips for all that we learned from Dr. Bush in our previous segments. I want to welcome Mary Ann Mozek to the show. Mary Ann, Hi. Hi, Jane. And Mary Ann is on the board of directors of a wonderful national organization. It deals with abstinence education. And Mary Ann, uh, because we tend to run uh, so much information packed into one segment, I don't want to run uh, out of time at the end. So can you give us the full name of your organization and how to contact it online because we're going to give people some information about what you provide, and I want to make sure that they can get to it.
3: Certainly. Uh, uh, the name of the organization is the National Abstinence Education Association. Uh, our website is www.dnaea.org. And you can see us on the website. We have a tremendous amount of resources um, and uh, just things that are available that you can uh, really help uh, to promote uh, abstinence education in your local community and schools.
1: Now, abstinence education, we've talked about it on the show before, and uh, we talked a little bit with Dr. Bush about why abstinence education has an important message to get out there. And uh, traditionally, the uh, put-downs on abstinence education are that it's just this um, vague notion of what people have thought about sex for all these years. And you have a special training, the SRA training, that really gets down to the brass, brass tacks of, what abstinence education really is, why we need it, and how we can teach it effectively in the classroom. Can you tell us a little bit about SRA training, sexual risk avoidance training, and the certification uh, opportunity that comes through your organization?
3: Yes, uh, sexual risk avoidance is really uh, how we define abstinence education. Uh, it is really based on a public health model, the risk avoidance model, primary prevention, and so uh, it, it is a it's a word that is more um, medically accepted and understood uh, mm-hmm. in medical terms, and certainly is a better definition than uh, simply calling something abstinence. Um, we believe that this is a term that is uh, something that, that would be helpful for people to understand the essence of the message that we're actually um, instructing in.
0: Okay. And
3: we, we, we are offering now, and we're very excited about this, Jane, the, uh, the SRA uh, certification training. And the reason we're, we're offering it as a credentialing is that we know that for years there there are some excellent, um, uh, abstinence education uh, teachers, SRA teachers, mm-hmm. sexual risk avoidance instructors, in the classroom. And they've been, uh, there for, for many years doing wonderful work. But heretofore, they've really not had any way to be recognized for their, uh, expertise to really mm-hmm. be recognized. And this particular certification gives them that opportunity. So we want to recognize the expertise and we want to help to increase competencies uh, in what they're instructing
1: in. And I'm thinking of that competency issue, uh, particularly with high schools. Uh, We have one in our uh, city that is implementing a new approach to their sex education. And many times those uh, curricula and programs are handed out to teachers and uh, the teacher goes into the classroom really, with something that they haven't had a chance to really explore and get expertise in. So your certification process can really uh, address this education that even the teachers and instructors need before they work with the students.
3: Absolutely. the uh, You know, the sexual trends and the data, the mm-hmm. research, and just as your uh, previous guest, Dr. Bush, uh, discussed, I mean, even brain research, and how does that impact? Uh, a young person in the decision-making that they're they're uh, navigating through. Right. Uh, just the whole area of Internet, you know, all of the things that are available. It is crucial that those who are teaching uh, any kind of uh, sexuality and health education keep um, current with the data and the trends.
0: Okay. And that's
3: what this credentialing does. We start with the history and the foundation of it, and then we then we have a multitude of topics. It's a very actually rigorous, prudentially.
1: Now, risk avoidance. I want uh, listeners to be thinking about risk avoidance in terms of what we would work with kids on: uh, drunk driving, drinking, smoking. We're teaching them to avoid the risk entirely, not reduce it, have fewer cigarettes or fewer beers before they get in the car. And so risk avoidance, we're really trying to get students to understand the the reason for and the techniques and uh, behaviors that they can can do to avoid getting sexually active at that point in their life. Can you, uh, give us maybe a couple of topics that you, uh, w- deal with, uh, in your SRA classes?
3: Oh, yes. Now, the SRA, we cover, uh, <clears throat> we cover a, a number of topics, including, uh, that we we'll start out by just really discussing the history of sex education. Mm-hmm. We talk about the theories that are based, you know, that that, that risk avoidance is based on, and health-related right. um, theories. We talk about um, research, how to use research, how to apply it, what's a credible source, mm-hmm. you know, to, to actually um, use when you're when you're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, we we talk about the um, uh, the need to build community and school partnerships. Mm-hmm. We have a parent. Uh, toolkit.
0: Mm-hmm. We
3: uh, we talk about the um, implementing um, evidence-based because evidence-based is a is a new I, I shouldn't say new but it is being greatly emphasized that right. we only want programs that are evidence-based. Well, how do you determine what a curriculum you know what curricula are uh, evidence-based? Right. You were saying that you know sometimes teachers are just given a curricula and they have no background on it. Mm-hmm. And we also um, talk about what is the content of an SRA program. Right. Uh, we have, uh, you know, in and you know this very well, Jane, you know, typically been described as, oh, abstinence education uh, is, you know, a just-say-no program. Right. When, it, when, in fact, it's an extremely holistic right. um, uh, approach that takes into consideration the whole person, right. the physical and the emotional and the social dynamic of um, sexual decision-making. So when you're talking about all of those, you know, things and how they're interrelated, you're really having a holistic approach that's mm-hmm. very, very different than let's just reduce your risk right. uh, when you have sex by using uh, contraception.
1: Now, so, um, you know... Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. Uh, no, it's fine. I noticed that you have a, a, a SRA program starting actually this coming week in Michigan, mm-hmm. and you've had them in other cities around. Can you name a couple of the cities where you've had them?
3: Oh, sure. Well, how about if I just do states? Because sure, And uh, you know, we've done in uh, we've been in Ohio, Florida, New York, Colorado, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Indiana. Uh, as you mentioned, we're going to be in Michigan uh, next week, mm-hmm. and then Pennsylvania, Idaho, Tennessee, Nebraska, and uh, another trip back to Florida.
1: Well, <laughs> so we I'll need you there. here in our state. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, well, let's awesome. uh, talk. I'll to go to Arizona.
1: Very good. Uh the programs are set up, uh, are they appropriate for school board members, teachers, parents? Who who can attend these? Yeah. We've got two minutes right. to just shove in a few little yeah. details here.
3: Okay. <laughs> the profile of people who have attended so far, of course, are uh, SRA, Sexual Risk Avoidance Instructors. Um, we've had medical profess- uh, professionals, Okay. Soc- social workers, Title V coordinators. Uh, come, we have parents that have come. Okay. We have, have, um, clergy that, that, you know, and some, actually, some of our legislators have attended.
1: Wonderful. Uh,
3: yeah, superintendents of schools. Uh, so it's been a very wide variety of, of folks, um, in, in some states, we have a waiting lists for to come back and do wonderful. So, yeah. Now,
1: uh, anybody who would like this kind of a program, I am assuming that you're delighted to bring it to them. They just need to get in touch with you. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. They and can, you know, uh, just get us on our website. Website easy to navigate there and uh, contact.
1: Them. Very good. I will put the contact information on my website. From thehomefront.org, from thehomefront.org, look us up, get the information, and have this program come to you uh, to your state and our state, Arizona. We thank you for being with us today. This is Jane from the Home Front and Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. Thanks for being here. Family values need your help. From the Home Front is on the battleground defending families, parents, and children in a great cultural war. We need you. Your financial support is necessary for us to continue these broadcasts. Your donation brings the experts to you, restoring truth, common sense, and dialogue in a world turned upside down. To support Family Values, visit us from That's from org Help us today.